going to the Grammys at 18, being an inventor that sells your inventions, having a brain tumor, moving to Israel, using depression as a springboard for greatness, all this and more in the episode of the podcast you're about to listen to. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life. The Remarkable People Podcast. Hello, my remarkable friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Remarkable People Podcast, the David Green story. Before I tell you about David and we get into his episode, I want to first thank you for being here. Whether you are a longtime listener or whether you're a first-time guest, we are awesomely excited, super pumped you're here, and can't wait till you get into the show. All of our shows are evergreen, which means the content is there and it doesn't change. The knowledge is timeless. So when you're listening to these episodes, have a pen and paper ready to write, unless you're driving, and then take notes so you can do what our slogan says and don't just listen to great content, but do it. Repeat it each day so you can have a great life in this world and most of all in eternity to come. So when you are ready, we're going to get to the episode. Before we do, just a couple things of housekeeping. You know what's better than listening to the Remarkable People podcast? For some of you reading the book. That's right. We have Remarkable People Volume 1. That's live. You can check it out on Amazon. You can find links to it through our website, remarkablepeoplepodcast.com. And what we did is we took 12 of the guests from our show. They authored 12 chapters of the book. They wrote laser focused on their area of expertise. So now you have a book with 12 short chapters, 12 amazing authors, 12 topics that can change your life and then at the end there's a way you can reach the author and continue the conversation if you're ready and hopefully it's just a catalyst to turn your life upside down in a good way and help you to free that inner hero inside you that god put in we're going to talk a little little bit about today in this episode and so you can have a joy-filled peace-filled loving life with ultimate success so Join our community on our website, sign up for the email blast so you're notified when things happen. Check out our YouTube page if you want to watch this content, subscribe to the channel again, it'll notify you when new episodes come out. And then the book, buy it for yourself, buy it for your friends, 100% of all profits, go right back to the podcast ministry and the whole purpose is to glorify God and help people grow. And speaking of growth, at this time, our guest today is an author he's an entrepreneur he is a musician he's a songwriter he has a bunch of credentials you're going to hear about but he also has a remarkable story he talks about growing up in canada always kind of on the low key struggling with depression even though he had a great upbringing had brothers and sisters and mom and daddy love ends up going to not even college he went right off into the music industry was at the Grammys at age 18, 
And then he, his mom talked to him and he saw something and it was a catalyst, a paradigm shift in his life where he's like, this is not what I want out of life. He moves to Israel and I'm jumping around. We talk about brain tumors. We talk about depression. We talk about the Old Testament and all of it. Not only is it a great story, but it's stuff you and me can apply to our lives and better our situation and be happier, healthier people. So ladies and gentlemen, at this time, get out your pen and paper. Welcome to the David Green story. Hey, David, how are you today, brother? I'm doing great, David. How are you hey, doing? I'm doing fantastic. I was just telling our listeners about what a great and patient man you are. What an amazing episode we had. What a remarkable story and how you're just about to share it with us. So they're super pumped. But just once again, thank you. David's in Israel. We're Zooming this conference while in my condo, a fire alarm keeps going off. And God's protecting us. We can't even hear it. So we're going to continue to roll, hear David's remarkable story and all the insight and wisdom he has to share with us. And David, before we get started, we have new first-time listeners today. We have listeners that have been with us for three years. But for everyone listening, they're going to walk away with a lot of gold nuggets and how to improve their life. But if there was one lesson you want them to walk away with when this interview is done, what would that be? I think the most important lesson is that God created every soul as a precious gem. And every precious gem is different from every other gem. So just as you're, there are no two fingerprints that are the same, there are no two souls that are the same. And for a person to be happy, ultimately, they should discover what makes them unique and enable them to be able to make life choices based on how they were designed. God designed them to achieve certain things in this world. But there's nothing more pleasurable than to know that you're actually doing what you're here, what you were created to do in this world. Amen to that. So let's get started then. Let's talk about your life, David. We're going to go from birth through today. Then we'll transition to where's David today? You just helped us for an hour. How can we help you now with your next goal, you know, your next mission, where you're headed? But at this time, let's talk about your birth and your childhood and your upbringing, because good, bad, or ugly, everything you experienced and I experienced, our listeners experienced, makes us the people we are today. So what was your life like in the early years, David? Well, I grew up in Toronto, a native Canadian, into a, a Jewish family in, in an area where, you know, there were a lot of woods and ravines and places just to run around and have fun. We we didn't have phones and I, I, didn't, I wasn't a big television watcher, but I spent a lot of time outside and with friends. And I just remember having a, a, a happy upbringing, but also very contemplative at a very young age. I was looking at the world and and just wondering what it's made out of. I didn't come from a religious background. So I was very inquisitive about like what, you know, what makes things work. One of my favorite books as a kid was this book called The Way Things Work. And it would explain to you how, what was at the time, modern technology, like a toaster, 
like how the how how the the toast knew when to pop you know and i would study you know bimetallic strips and how that would cause things to happen i would sit on the floor playing with three puzzles thank god i'm adhd so i had a lot of creativity to be able to express but my mother would say to me why don't you put one puzzle away before you put work on the next and no i couldn't work on one puzzle i had to work on a lot of puzzles at the same time because I got too bored working on one. And that that was the seed of a of the way my mind actually works now still and and worked throughout my life. At a, at a very early age, I started getting into music and I wrote music at a very young age. And music became my dream. It became what I was running to be able to, to to achieve in my music as a composer. Being a composer is very similar to putting together puzzles. You have all these different parts. You want to put them together. You want to make them flow properly. But at the same time, you want to express something that's real, genuine at the same time. And so I, I was soul-searching my way, but using music as my navigator for soul-searching. And... Uh, I, you know, I always had few friends, close friends, but very few of them. And we partied together. We uh, played sports together. I skied a lot, snow skied and raced, and I was into tennis. And, but, but there was a side of me that was lonely at the same time. You know, I had girlfriends growing up, but I was, there was this, this sort of, uh, a lonely side. I, I one of my songs is is called "Revival of the Living," which is all all about going through life and feeling like you're missing a whole dimension to it, and and wanting to lift yourself up into a place that's much more spiritually aware. And it's only looking back after several years of you know having become religious myself over the years that I look back and I see myself as a child trying to make more sense of this world. And I, I guess I was more mature than, than most of the kids my age. And then by the time I was 16, I had recorded some music with a friend of mine who was a lyricist. And I was very disconnected from myself. All I wanted to do was be successful in the music business. And what happened was by the time I was 18, I was recording an album in LA with some of the top musicians in, in the world that were on this album. And it was in the R&B field. And I was working with a incredible producer, arranger named Gene Page. And he had won numerous Grammy awards in the past and he was nominated again, but he couldn't go to get his awards should he have won. And he asked me if I would accept his award. At 18 years old, I had this invitation to do basically what you do in the music and in the entertainment business. You basically pretend you're successful. You rub shoulders with people who are successful, and they they think that you know you're suitable for a gig to do something. You know, it's like you know. So so there I was with my own VIP tickets to the Grammys. And his limousine picked me up. I had rented a tuxedo 
And I was heading down to the Grammys to accept. By the time I was in the car, it was, of course, my award, not his. I, you know, delusionally convinced myself that I was going to get my award. That, with the help of a little something that somebody gave me to relax me. So uh, this girl I met out there gave me some pills to relax me. <laughs> and and I, uh, I, uh, I, I took one of the pills and I was like very relaxed. But the other one was the it was, a, it was a red pill where the the dye of the pill started dripping down my fingers, the red dye, and I had nowhere to put it. If I put it in my pocket, it would look like it got shot, you know, because I'd have this red coming on me. So I took the second one, and I was like, you know, <laughs> I was really out of it, heading down the highway to accept my award. But but it started to wear off, and at that point, I think is the first time I prayed to God where I said, God, please make him lose. I, it's not worth it for me to go up there in front of thousands of people in the room and millions of people watching from on television all over the world and watching me go up there and forgetting his name. You know, Gene something asked me to accept this award. I just so scared. I had so much anxiety. And thank God he did not win. But because I had a VIP pass, I was invited to go to this major celebration afterwards with all these people in the industry and i was i was so disconnected from who i really was and all i wanted to be was this like this r&b musician who was a really good jazz musician but was breaking into the pop market and there was a musician that i saw there from who was the head of one of my favorite bands he was like my idol like he was like everything i was running towards he was the personification of that like i wanted to be him and at one point i saw i looked at his face and he looked to me like a very miserable unhappy person and that was a transition in my life suddenly something went off in my head and said why am i running so fast to be this person if this person is not happy, shouldn't mm. I be running after happiness and then let my music be an expression of that? And that was a very, you know, I can describe the logic of that whole process. But in my head, it was just a little flash that I got that I feel very blessed to have got that completely turned my life around. I decided to leave the music business, go to college I went to Bloomington, Indiana, where they have a very good music school, and I studied music composition. And I just wanted to be a kid again. I wanted to be not running after Hollywood, but running, you know, or slowing down and living my life. And in music school, I thought I felt there I was actually experienced a lot of loneliness. I was not like the other people in the school. I had one or two good friends also again there but i really felt like i wasn't experiencing my life i was doing the music school thing music composition everybody had to be artsy you had to be different you had to be expressing something that no one else expressed and often being unique you know expressing that artsiness is not you it's not me it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't coming from a sincere place it was more coming from a place of trying to be cool, trying to be artsy, trying to be avant-garde. 
right? And all that was was uh, to me very very superficial. I I'd rather write a simple melody that was sincere and let that be my music. But that's not what they wanted from me in music school. They wanted me to be innovative and everything. And that's to me that's not what music's about. It's about expressing something from from deep inside that's much more sincere. So after about three years of being there, I felt, you know, I, I really have to resolve within myself a lot of this hypocrisy that I felt about my my identity as, as a Jew, as a religious person. I felt like I did not think of myself as being religious at all. But there were certain things that I, I didn't want to let go of. Like when I went to the the Yom Kippur services, which is like the holiest day of the Jewish calendar, I went to the services on campus and they didn't follow it the way I was brought up, that they, they, they had a cello playing on the stage and the cello was like a violation of the actual day and i felt how could they do this and I, you know meanwhile i hardly was any, practicing anything myself so like why am i getting upset by what they're doing when i myself am not doing anything either and i decided you know what i have to get up and go somewhere where i can hear my own inner voice and i decided that the, the best place for me to go would be to israel so it was in my early 20s that I, I I got up and I went to Israel and I went to the Western Wall and I was invited to go to what's called the yeshiva. And the yeshiva is a place of Torah study, of, of Jewish studies, where I was there with about 30 other guys that were all non-religious. And they were asking the rabbis questions that were very, very challenging. and trying to prove Judaism to be wrong, that there's no God in the world, that, that the, you know, that, 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 that the Big Bang is this explanation of, of creation and all these types of things, you know. And what happened is that the, the rabbis started, like, basically destroying every question we had to a point where, like, you know, we didn't have anything to say. It was like they were very, very smart. They knew their stuff. Even one of my friends that I met there had just done a thesis, there is no God. And he was there to try to save his brother from being brainwashed, you know, into being religious. So he was one of the first guys to also become religious because he had all the arguments from his thesis being destroyed by these rabbis there. And so I found myself not only being affected by the philosophical debates that were going on, but I found myself in a place where my soul connected to the land. My soul, if if you if it's almost like an amplifier to the soul, that being in Israel for me was a place where all this inner self that was trying to come out earlier was just naturally pouring out of me. I felt a connection to something very, very real in me. And what started to happen is I started to write music there. I got hold of a baby grand piano in the old city of Jerusalem where I was living. And I just started writing music and the music became so much more beautiful than anything I ever had written in the past because it was all just coming from a place of spiritual identity 
and discovery of something much deeper inside and much more pure. And I said goodbye to the artsy world and said hello to myself and experienced something much more sincere. And it turned out I ended up getting all kinds of jobs. I had a jazz band that I used to perform once a week. I got jobs doing movie movie soundtracks, you know, playing on different albums as a piano player. And and like so it became like everything I was running after in Hollywood, I actually found in a in a real way when I when I finally came to Israel. Maybe that's why it's called Israel, because it was <laughs> very it was very real. That's what happened as I woke up to the to who I really was. And but I, I was bothered by the fact that in, in, in Jewish practice, there's so many laws that everybody keeps. And I was afraid that, well, if I do that, I'm going to lose my individuality. And as an artist, you know, individuality was always such an important thing. And, and the more I studied, the more I actually found primarily from Hasidic sor- sources that the, the last thing God wants of you is to be like everyone else. What God wants you to do is discover who you really are. What makes you unique? What's 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 how can I harness the gifts that he gave me and do what I'm here to do in this world? And that became somewhat of a a project of mine, which I now call Real You Project, which is my website, realyouproject.com. And I you know, years later, after after I got married, and I I have eight kids now. I have sixteen grandkids. Life has certainly nice. changed a lot since since Hollywood. But I wrote a book called A Book About You, and that's all about individuality and spiritual awareness. And you know, it's a it's in in the process I, that, that took me. I'd say about three years to write, but really the content of it was developed over about 25 years of teaching in various schools here in Israel. And I teach people who come from very little religious background. And my, my whole approach with them is to say, well, what are these people struggling with in life? Let me, instead of trying to convince them that they should embrace Judaism, what I should do is try to speak to what the struggles are they're going through and just use Jewish philosophy as my source to address those issues. What we call the Torah, the Bible, the Old Testament deals with so many of the types of issues that people struggle with. For example, loneliness. So many people are lonely. People don't have self-esteem. You know, people are struggling with not able to make decisions in life. So my my classes became more and more about those types of issues. And I felt myself like really enjoying helping people with the types of problems that they're struggling through. And so this book, a book about you, helps people discover what their unique personalities are based on the three forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Kabbalistic spirit, the the Kabbalistic divine attributes that they each personified. And we all have 
those within us, but we're all primarily one of the three. And by discovering which one you are, it helps you say, well, now I know why I have these strengths and now I know why I have these weaknesses. And it allows you to accept yourself and it allows you to accept other people and admire, wow, that's a different personality. That's why they have a certain strength that I don't have, but that's fine. I don't have to be jealous of them. I should appreciate them that God gave them that gift and God gave me a different gift. And they have weaknesses that I don't have and I shouldn't get down on them because that's part of the package that they've been given. And therefore, it it really develops the ability to have a, a loving marriage, much better relationship with friends. And, and that self-awareness became very key. And then what happened is I started really getting into a book called the Tanya, which is like the, the main book of the Chabad Hasidic movement, which really discusses what is a soul. So I, I after a year of, of studying that every night, I put out a book called Pictures of Your Soul. And the what happens is in the book, you start actually seeing pictures of like the anatomy of the soul and also stunning photographs by a photographer here named Moshe Slas, who took pictures of people in on fire in prayer. And when you look at their faces, you can actually see their soul shining through. It's such it's, there's such powerful images. So this book came out and Thank God it's been getting great reviews. And that's that's really what my focus has been. And I, I have two albums out also, and all the songs are interwoven into these books. There's actually QR codes in the book where you can scan and it'll start to play the music that's that's the you know where the lyrics are quoted in the book. It it sounds it sounds like you know an exciting journey, but I've been through hell and back you know suffering from from depression which is something which many artists unfortunately have to go through thank god it's very well monitored now but i've been in in very very painful parts of my life as well so i don't want to paint the picture as if you know like here's this guy who was this hollywood guy and you know went to college went to jerusalem discovered himself and he's a free man now and you know like Life isn't that simple. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of pain. I have a very loving wife who's with me every step of the way. And but there were times where I was in such a state where I couldn't I couldn't even hold my kids. It was just like just I was just too in this painful world that I, I've been in. And that 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 started about 25 years ago and uh, i've had a few serious episodes of depression which were triggered actually by the worst one was from when there was a terrorist attack here in israel where there was a a terrorist who went into a yeshiva one of these study halls where and just started shooting everybody and 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 I kept watching the footage of it on television of the blood and the, it was just and it, it put me into the shock and I had gone off my medicine. So so I was vulnerable and it put me into the worst depression that I had that lasted for several months. But I feel a, a lot of my sensitivity to other people comes from 
having been in a very low place I, I wouldn't it's not a morally low place but it's a it's an experientially very low place and it's it's very hard to connect to god when you're in that place but one of the, one of the things i've done you know in this book that i wrote it talks about how to use the lows in life as a springboard to actually reach to a much higher place than you would, could ever imagine and i feel you know like although i would never want to anyone else to have to suffer like that i feel i got so much out of it as well because it put me in touch with real life and and i can never look at a person and and judge them in a negative way it's like you don't know what other people are going through and i then no one knew what i was going through i wasn't publicizing my depression but i'm sure people wondered like why isn't he being social why isn't well, he you know coming out and being part of the community more so so i know i know what it's like to be there and it's it helps me i i i actually started an organization here to help families suffering from from mental health crisis and i feel i can give this back to to others who have gone or who are going through the type of pain that i've experienced myself let's do this we've covered a lot of ground and a lot of important things i'm writing notes on my phone as we're talking so yeah. let's back up a little bit david and i'll try to go chronologically through the life and we'll not only talk about what you were able to overachieve but how you did in the practical steps we can too as the listeners so let's start right. off with in your childhood first off were you an only child did you have brothers and sisters what no, was your uh, yeah i i i grew up i have a, an older brother who okay. was a very big big role he was a role model for me then then a, 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 an older sister and then me and then a younger sister and we 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 grew up in we had a certain type of demand on us and my and my parents were they were very very successful in the building business in Canada and there was a sort of art art like demand of being very cultured and i think that's what got us into all of us in some sort of form of art my sister was a dancer she from she studied at Juilliard my brother did very avant-garde music and i got more into the pop scene and my my older sister she actually became religious at a younger age so she was like the weird one in the family you know why why would she do such a thing you know which 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 turns out now that three out of the four of us have all become religious mm-hmm. <laughs> so and we live here together in israel three of us my older brother didn't he lives in Canada still. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now, is your older brother still alive? Yeah, thank God. Yeah, so it's not too late. You never know, right? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. <laughs> the message has been said. It's now it's for him to take it and digest it. Yes, yes. And, you know, so when you were a child, especially for those of us who suffer with depression, who grew up and you just felt the loneliness, you couldn't explain why, it sounds like you had a good home life, good family structure, but even in your childhood with your siblings, you felt that disconnect or was that not until after high school and college? 
I think till I was in, at first everything was about like just exploring and nothing was going to stop me. Like I remember running down this hill in my backyard that was like a forest that was very steep and I, I would just run down it really fast and I was not afraid that my foot would catch something and cause me to trip and break my leg. Like that's the way I lived my life back then. It was like nothing was going to stop me from whatever dreams I had. And it was it was later when my closest friend, who was my lyricist, started acting very strange. He started getting into heavy drugs. And then eventually he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And that's when I decided to go to to college you know i said this is enough i don't want to live in this fantasy world and think everything's okay and i felt the loneliness during those years where uh even though i was around other people i felt lonely in the crowd like there was something that made me different something that made me more serious about life where a party was there i i just wasn't into going a party and just getting stoned and just acting out you know like everybody else i i did but you know i would you know i always was like that guy in the corner analyzing everybody unless there was a, a piano there once there was a piano there then i would be the center of attention playing piano which was in a way a distraction for me it was sort of an escape from from the pain of being there and not really enjoying it the way everyone else did. I, I And one of my songs that I mentioned before, Revival of the Living, it's, it's, it's it all questions. Tell me why I feel alone when there's so much love around me. I'm living on my own with the ones who mean the most to me. It's all, it's all that feeling of like everything should be fine so what what what's bothering me why am i why am i feeling like there's something missing and when you don't know that you're you're lonely for god you blame it on other things and that's one of the one of the classes i teach about it's called sick of being alone where so many people are looking for relationships as if that's going to solve their loneliness and it's often in the in a relationship with somebody they may even be very intimate with they're there's they're lacking a certain quality of a relationship which is something that that they can that's ultimately a relationship with god that it's it's someone to to who is born into a family a dysfunctional home and they don't have a relationship with their parents there's a obvious reason why they should feel a sense of loneliness. Well, uh, to to not have a relationship with our Father in Heaven is is as almost as absurd as not having a relationship with your own parents. He brought you into the world, and there should be a feeling of something empty inside if you don't have that relationship. And I didn't even know to think about that. I was I I was longing for a spiritual life, and and I didn't know that that's what I was longing for. 
So I can tell you now what I was going through, but but that back then it, I was just feeling the pain of many nights, you know, listening to jazz music and wishing I had something better to do with people that I cared about more. So my close friends, you know, we got together, but um, but there was still this overriding sense of the undercurrent of loneliness that I felt even like from 16 and then through college. But when I moved to Israel, that disappeared, that loneliness disappeared because I was with a number of people who were very sincere about finding our way through life. And we shared philosophical ideas and stayed up late philosophizing about really, really th things that really mattered that were changing our lives. So those were like the the happiest times there was there was such a transition and there was no need for any booze or weed to to make us enjoy it it was we were high on life and and that was it was just so obvious to me that I, that's what i wanted to do was stay there and and learn more and learning torah biblical studies is something i now do every day it's like the my morning is is every day is is studying deeper ideas it's not the basic philosophical questions but it it's connecting to that spiritual source which is such a fulfilling part of what i who i am and what i am so yeah there was definitely that loneliness through my childhood and through through my when you know my late teens and until about 21 years old when when things shifted around and it wasn't until a number of years later that 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 changed and during that time you're pursuing the career in hollywood you meet a gentleman named gene so as one of our talking points you know this isn't the major talking point but you saw opportunity and you seized that opportunity with gene and then you got thankfully to the moment of realization where you had that epiphany or paradigm shift where it's like wow this isn't really what i want so right. i remember watching the johnny depp i didn't watch all the trial but him and Amher heard and he's one of the most famous actors in the entire world right now and his personal life was miserable and he was drugged out and depressed and i felt bad for the guy i mean the dude has all the money and drugs and women and everything he could possibly want on earth but he seems like he has a really crappy life. So right. when you were 18 and you're still pursuing that dream, what opportunity did you see and how did you seize it? Well, when I became, I became a staff writer for a record company that was very popular at the time called A&M Records. They don't exist anymore, but a lot of the big artists were on A&M. So I was a staff writer. So that was like an achievement for me that felt fulfilling. That was based in, in Canada. But I, my, my sense of success was was always a moving target. I, As I described that boy running down the hill in the forest and nothing could stop me. Well, not, nothing could stop me until I finally saw the ultimate role model looking miserable. But I, but I I remember during that period of time, like when I was around eighteen, there, I was in Toronto, and my mother, who was a very wise woman, 
she saw that there was something wrong. She saw me running so fast somewhere that I didn't even know where it was, you know, that I was reaching for. And she sat me down one day and she said to me, David, I want you to just sit down, which for me was hard enough to do because my ADHD and passion for getting out there and making my 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 music big, sitting down was a tough thing to do. And then she walks to the other side of the room and she plugs in the kettle and turns on the hot water, boils up some water and takes out some herbal tea, like chamomile tea. And she put it into the cup for just a minute, pulled out the tea, brought it over to me and said, David, I want you to taste the tea. And like, I didn't know, like, where is she coming from? What do you mean, taste the tea? First of all, chamomile tea has hardly any flavor to it. And I am a person in a rush. And I don't want to sit here waiting for the hot tea to cool down. But what she was doing was she was tuning me into the moment and wanting me to experience my life now. Stop thinking about what it's going to be like later. You're living an important part of your life right now. And you have to experience the life that you're living. So that was a very powerful lesson for me. And I tried to do that. You know, once I once I went to college, I tried to experience things more from day to day as opposed to what the, you know, the fame and fortune was going to bring. I was much more focused on trying to experience the, my my life, you know, in the moment. But that's wise. That's is, wise that your mom saw that and called you out on and slowed you down. That's, right. that's great you had a mom like that to not only observe it, but to stop you. So what right. was your mom's name? Give her a shout out. Joyce. Joyce. My mother passed away about five years ago. She was a wonderful woman and very wise woman. And she, she, she was very intuitive to be able to see within me that, that this was what was missing this, this you know, and and she, 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 she was a person who I often, you know, I would call, and if she heard in my voice that I wasn't feeling good, she said, well, right, "What's wrong?" Right away, she, she spotted it in my voice, like so. But, but that that idea of living in the moment, you, you can try to live in the moment, but if the moment isn't providing you with a sense of meaning and happiness. So living in the moment isn't going to necessarily make you feel much better. I, I, I didn't have the maturity to say, wow, look, I can breathe, you know, wow, I can eat, I can do my basic functionality. And some people don't have the privilege to do that. You know, I, my head wasn't there yet. It wasn't in a point where I could really evaluate the beauty of every moment and the beauty of everything in creation. I wasn't there. I was, I was too intertwined in the, the, the world that was spinning around me. And so I would, I would get up sometimes there was a, a park down the street from where I lived on campus. I, I actually lived off campus in a house with some roommates there. And I, there was a park that had a ditch in it. And I used to go and lie in the ditch 
And I felt almost like I was filling in the space of the ground, like in other words, almost like being buried in in, a, in the ground, and felt totally one with with the world. And I again, that's not how I interpreted then. But I, I just liked to do it. I just liked to feel myself as being part of a much bigger world and let all the artsy artsy showy you know creative world let let go of it and just be part of part of the world that really is still and un, underneath it all and and that was a meditative process that i would go through and i it wasn't some sort of formal meditation although i highly recommend it to people to go and just lie down in the ground in a ditch and just be like a piece of the earth because we're created from the earth and we will return to the dust of the earth so a, a person is is a, a created as a, from the from the adama which is in hebrew that means earth but an adam means a person that's what a, a person essentially comes from the earth and returns to the earth and therefore i i intuitively felt that and therefore, by lying down in the dirt, in the ditch, I felt something very connecting by disconnecting to from all the superficiality around me. I connected to something much bigger. And at the time, I didn't know what it was, but it set, def, definitely tuned my heart and my soul into a more spiritual awareness that became alive when I eventually did come to Israel. Yeah, and it's interesting you said because there's people who are listening from all nations around the world, different worldviews, but no matter where you're coming from, balance is the key, you know, one of the keys of life. And if you're all like hyper touchy feely spiritual, you're out of balance. If you're super mega conservative, no room for the Holy Ghost, you're you're too tight. You know, we need that right. balance. And what you're talking about, David, reminds me it's you know, some things we don't understand, but it's just real. Like you said, lying in that ditch made you just feel that connection. And then right. when you said you got to Israel, you were never at more peace and happier. And I know that even just visiting, I went to visit Italy to see my father. And when I was out there, I never slept better, felt better, ate better. And it was just something how God put inside of me from that ancestry dna code it tied to right. Italy, and you're tied right. to israel and i have other friends who are tied to who's a soldier he was deployed for two years in an area remote area and he was adopted as a child never knew his parents never knew his real origins but while he was out there he lived his best life right mm -hmm. 20 years later he comes and finds his adopted mother his real mother sorry biological mother and he was four miles away from where his family was from so there's really? definitely something that God put in us in that DNA that right. we don't want to discard because we don't understand it. But right. as you're feeling this and as you're learning and you get to Israel, now you're starting to have some bouts of depression, but you're actually feeling peace. How did that, because you're feeling more peace here felt, but then at the same time, the depression starts creeping in. So go bring us through that balance and then we'll get to the point of how you found healing and relief and to process it so we can help our listeners. 
Okay, well, what happened was after a few years of studying, and it was very happy times for me with all the music and everything going on around me as well. I started running a, a program that was for American college students who were coming to Israel for six weeks and touring the country and studying Judaism. And I'm, I'm, I became so immersed in the organization of that program. It was all my responsibility and the scheduling, the, the organizing, all, all the things that were really not my personality. My personality is what's called a Tiferet personality, which is much more the creative mind personality with, with a good blend of what's called chesed, which is love and connection. And the organization part is not me. It's not, it's, it was extremely difficult for me. And I started building a lot of anxiety while I was doing that. And anxiety and depression are very closely related. And uh, I didn't even know that I was suffering from a depression, but I had such tremendous amount of anxiety that at one point when I went back to Toronto, I was living there for a short amount of time. And I, and I went to a doctor and he said, it looks like you're suffering from a depression. I said, what do you mean a depression? I don't, I don't, I don't feel sad. I, I feel anxious. And well, he said, well, it's, a, it's the same thing. You know, the same medications work for them. And I uh, started seeing somebody for therapy and, 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 so so i i found that what really triggered the the depression was me living a life that was not me it was i i i went back into that hollywood space sort of sort of but in in jewish education i was i was becoming an organizer and doing something that what my personality my soul was not brought down here to do and being disconnected from what i was really here to do was a very, very bad formula that led to depression. Had I been more involved in teaching, more involved in a creative process, then I would probably not have fallen into that first depression. Who knows what would have caused a depression at a later stage. But being disconnected from, from my own talents there's nothing more different than a musician and someone who is scheduling what time the buses show up and that everybody should be on the bus at this time and that kind that's that's not me and and but i had to do it in order to make sure the program got you know carried out properly so unfortunately i was in a, a entangled in a in a mismatch between my personality and the job that i i was i had taken on at the time no, let me ask you a question. I always understood depression is kind of looking at and living and being like held back by the pain of the past and anxiety is being tormented by the potential of the future. Is that a correct way to look at it or am I looking improperly? <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I think, I think, I, I don't think of depression as being looking in the past and there and getting like bummed out by the fact that I didn't achieve this or achieve that or feeling regret that can often trigger an underlying depression that's already there. But depression is something that if you have a chemical depression, some people's depressions are more 
based on the behavioral depression. If you have a chemical depression, then that means you are prone to depression, to feeling sadness and anxiety. And it, it doesn't have to be related to what's really going on in your life. The anxiety can be triggered much more easily by what's going on in your life. But it, it's, not, it's not explainable that, that I had any reason to feel sad. I was doing what I thought was meaningful. I, was, I had room in my life for my music. I had good friends. You know, I, I I have been married for a few years when this ha- happened already. And thank God I have a beautiful marriage. It's, it's, it's very hard to explain by looking at the various circumstances that were going on in my life to say, therefore, I was depressed. No, there was no therefore. A person can feel, have tremendous circumstances that would paint a beautiful picture of life and yet, for some reason, God wants them to go through a depression. And then, then their attitude in, in, in managing that depression, that's where your attitude plays a much more active role. Mm-hmm. Because your attitude about the fact that you're depressed can make you more depressed. It, it can make you, you, it's almost like a decision to take the depression and make it your whole life. You have to decide. And, and know that the depression is just like some people have other type of illnesses that they didn't choose to have. So you, you didn't choose to be depressed. Some people, again, that's behaviorally, some people do choose a negative way of, of living. And it's often because they were programmed from abusive parents that knocked them down all the time. I'm, I'm talking about emotional abuse or whatever struggle they may have had in school or socially that made them label themselves in a negative way. And therefore that type of repeated repetition of like, I'm such a jerk, I'm such a jerk, that kind of you know negative thinking can pull a person into a depressed state. But a person can go in a depressed state and it can be affected by the food that we eat, by the lack of exercise, just living a, a healthy, balanced life it will will trigger that chemical depression much faster than you know if somebody who is is living you know a a, a, a like a, a healthy, balanced life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there there are external things that affect it as well. But at the same time, it's 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 important to recognize that that if you have a chemical depression that was given to you by God. And, and God loves you and, and he wants you to use that struggle as a way of coming closer as, 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 as in the, in the Bible, it says that Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers. And so he went from the pit, which was, it says there was no water, but the commentaries tells us that there were actually scorpions in the pit where, so the, he was close to his death in that pit. And then he was sold, and only within a short amount of time, he became one of the most powerful people in the world because he was the right-hand man to Paro, and he was in charge of all the finances of Egypt, which is the most powerful country in the world. What we see is that he went from a very, very low place to a very high place 
And it was only from being in that low place that he got to the very high place. And so too in our own lives, if if we embrace the depression, and I know it sounds strange, but you can actually embrace your depression and say, this is the gift that I've been given. And now what am I going to do with this gift? This is a gift that's going to help me and take me to a much higher awareness. What am I running away from in my life that this depression is going to wake me up to? What do I have to leave behind in order to be healthy? Maybe I'm running too fast to try to do too many things. And by slowing down, I'm going to get in touch with life. I'm going to get in touch with my soul. I'm going to get in touch with God. And only through the depression was I able to be able to get to that point of, of heightening the sincere relationship with God, where a lot of people are, quote, religious, and they believe in things, but it doesn't really affect the way they, they, they talk, the way they relate to other people, the way they live their lives in a, in a, in a sincere, genuine way. It's it's yeah. it's very it's more by rote. They 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 decided I'm this kind of religion, so I'm going to follow this. Depression can actually wake you up to where you really are holding in your relationship with God, where you really are, what you are feeling in your relationship with other people, and it can it can actually spring you forward into a much healthier place if you recognize where it came from and what it's there to teach you yeah that's so well said <clears throat> when depression is affecting you and you get to the point where it was affecting you it's hard to have that positive mindset but then once we get that right view that right mindset everything really does get better fast what right, do you but, recommend to our listeners that if they're struggling with depression, they're about to go in a low, they're in a low, or they're trying to get out of the low, what do you recommend are some practical steps for helping them get out of the hole of depression? One thing is, <clears throat> like just from a more of a medical, biological level, if a person's serotonin isn't flowing properly, so there's certain things they can do to help it flow properly. There's medications that we take to help boost the serotonin flow, which makes you less depressed. <clears throat> so, but before you go get medicated, first ask yourself, am I exercising enough? I I, I know you're looking for more of a psychological answer, but- No, but no, 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 this... no. Where, what did you experience in your life that okay. worked? So, so our listeners can too. So if a person is feeling depression, they first should, should ask themselves, what are my eating habits and what are my exercise habits? That's one. Those are major, major things. If you're eating a lot of carbs, a lot of heavy food, greasy food, it can weigh you down. And weighing you down, this doesn't mean just like making you feel tired, but it actually can trigger more more depression because you're eating in, in an unhealthy way. And when you exercise, it's not just a matter of burning calories. If you if you have a regular exercise program, 
that's like taking medication. That is a level of boosting the, the serotonin hormones in your body, and it will help you lift yourself up. And it's extremely important to have who to talk to. If you have somebody, uh, I mean, you have to be careful who to talk to. I mean, I spoke to my wife a lot, but I didn't want her to be my psychologist because I, I don't, I don't want, I want the, the, the love in our relationship to be based more on the healthy side rather than on the depressed side and what it, if it can become a burden and sort of change the roles in the relationship when one is acting more as a therapist as opposed to a spouse. So to go get help, professional help is, I highly encourage, whether it's, you know, initial stage should def definitely be some sort of therapy. And, and if that's not doing enough, then it can be supplemented with medication. And there's some people who are very against medication, and I, I don't knock them. In my case, the severity of the depression was so bad that, that I wasn't going to wait around for some natural form of healing that was going to solve the problem. But many people do that, and they're fine with it. My, my sister is an energy healer, and she uses energy by rubbing her hands without touching the body of the, her patients. And she is able to heal them from all kinds of even psychological issues. So it's not that I don't believe in it, but for me, the severity of the depression was so deep that I needed something, you know, so I wouldn't need shock treatment, you know. One of the things that happened to me also when this was about 22 years ago is one morning I woke up or didn't wake up. I had a seizure and um, I was taken to the hospital and a good friend of mine, like one of my closest friends actually is a psychiatrist who told me that what I just had was like shock treatment. I, a seizure is like shock treatment and and it actually can be very healing. But what what happened was the after a few weeks, I got a call from the doctor that they found a tumor in my brain. And that changed my life again, where... And how old were you at moment, that point? I must have been my mid-40s, mid-40s. Okay. And were they thinking uh, easy peasy removal or were they thinking this is life threatening? No. Well, they didn't know. And so I was walking around wondering if I had much time to live. And what, as a result of that, every moment became very precious to me. So we talked about living in the moment before, like, you know, living in the ditch, you know, lie, lying in the ditch. Living in, in the moment became something that became very natural to me because I didn't know if how many moments I had left to live. And so I kept taking MRIs and they would study to see if there was any change in the, in, in the growth of this tumor. And thank God, after years of taking MRIs, they said that it was benign. And, but I have to be on a medication that's for, for seizures that also happens to be a, a a mood stabilizer but this medication 
I have no choice but to take because of the risk of having a seizure while driving a car and then, God forbid, having an accident. So I have to remain on this medication for the rest of my life, which is something which makes me tired. So I live with that. I, I say, okay, that's part of the formula that God gave me. <clears throat> so I have to make sure I take naps. You know, I have to make sure that I exercise enough. And the, these are like basic functionality issues that, you know, are so far away from that 18-year-old kid who is running after Hollywood. But what's interesting is that I think that helps me a lot in, in achieving bigger things. Like, for example, the two books that I wrote, the albums that I write, the teaching that I do, these are all things that I aspire to to be successful at. And thank God I have. I'm also an inventor, so I, I, I invent technology. And just before moving to Israel with my family, I sold a, a video immersive type of technology. I had worked on it for 11 years and was ready to give up. And then somebody offered me a very large amount of money for it. And that money is what enabled me to move to Israel, my family, and build my home here and 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 work on my next project, which is a type of insole that I develop, which is out on the market now as well. So I, I haven't thrown away the, the, the think big, but I, I have embraced the live big. And uh, that's, that to me is much more important than any of the success that I could be, you know, striving for in various business things I, I do. And, and, and with my book, you know, if my book doesn't sell so well, you know, it's okay. I'll, I'll live with it. You know, it's not my life. It's, it's something I do, but it's not who I am. Who I am is expressing that, but it's not who I am. And that is the same lesson that I had to learn when I was 18. And I saw that, musician that you know looked unhappy i yeah there's the one hand i have to have the 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 creative energy of my individuality of what my soul is here to achieve and feel excited about life and be able to be driving myself to do things that are truly meaningful but at the same time like you said there's balance of having that that momentum of of high energy you know, enthusiasm, but at the same time, knowing that wherever it is I'm running at, whatever it is I'm running after, that's not who I am. That's what I'm producing. And therefore, who I am, I always have to make sure that I'm keeping my eye on who I am and making sure that that soul is getting the spiritual nutrients that it needs to be fulfilled and i'm not just saying not depressed i'm saying to feel happy as a person happy as a soul happy in my relationship with the people i love and happy in my relationship with god beautiful so just to recap for those of us struggling with depression seriously eat right exercise get your you know checkups to make sure like david had a brain tumor. When I was 18, I actually had a tumor in my head too. And that was all affecting everything works together, gets out of balance. And then what you're talking about, Dave, is if you need to be medicated, you know, if you don't have to be, don't be, 
But if you need to be, there's some chemical situations where you're lacking that serotonin or the flow of serotonin. So speak with a licensed professional. What other things are, or are there any other things that you did that like, Dave, this really was a game changer for me. This really helped. Well, my, my, I believe that if a person is spiritually fulfilled, then that somehow lifts a person out of their depression. Mm-hmm. And when I say spiritually fulfilled, I don't, I don't mean that they have to be walking around saying, God, I love you. I love you. I love you. I don't, I think they should feel that and feel the appreciation for that. In in Judaism, we have, we say a prayer over everything we eat, you know, and, and even after using the bathroom, we say a prayer, thanking God for the complex body that we have, that every little thing, one little thing goes off, then it could, it can destroy a person. We, we, we try to appreciate every single little thing which is, which is, you know, I try to be very aware when I say those prayers because they tune me into just appreciating life. But, but there's also, by discovering what it is within you that makes your soul come alive, the more you can give that nutrient to your soul, then it actually can elevate you above the depression. So for me... I'm very project oriented. So I was working on my first book and it took me a, a few years to write, but because I had that project to do, then I found that while I was experiencing depression, if I would just go work on the book, it would elevate me above the depression. The The highest level I get of that kind of spiritual high other than you know going to the western wall and praying you know with, with well feeling the the sanctity of jerusalem where you know i was living right across them from there for a long time but i i go to tel aviv to a recording studio with my producer there and he gets the best musicians in israel and we we work in the studio and I'm working with people of different backgrounds and they're all putting their all their souls into my music. So a, a song that I write, when I see it come alive in the recording studio and I'm feeling this incredible boost of the type of creativity that my soul somehow was brought into this world to be connected to. So then that that's, that's such a central part of who I am that's being expressed in in such an ultimate way that there's just no room for depression it doesn't come in the door there and therefore i i highly recommend people to 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 discover for themselves if they haven't yet or at least make room in their lives to invest in what really makes their individual soul come alive perhaps that will this explains more why before i explained the importance of individuality i'm not just talking about like it's good to be who you are i'm saying capture what really turns you on on a spiritual level discover what that is get to know it and find room in your life 
for more and more of it as much as you can so that you will be living on a on a on a much higher plane of spiritual fulfillment it's it's something that you have to make sure you have enough dose in your life of of spiritual fulfillment and that to, to me is you know as powerful or more powerful than medication you know mm -hmm. it's so, so people should really try to like my first book the the in one of the first sections of it quotes a passage from from a section in the in the bible where abraham is spoken to for the very first time and god says to him lech lecha go to yourself go why say go the go is remove yourself from the environment that you're in that's shaping your ideology that is creating a lot of static from your phone from movies you watch from the starbucks where you, where you hang out with your friends all those things that are your daily surroundings of what you're running after and being where your mind is filled with all that stuff, leave it, go away from it, right? You went to Italy. Part of the turn on of going to Italy was not just the fact that it was Italy. It was the fact that it wasn't Florida. That the fact that you left where you were from and went somewhere different allows you to hear the inner voice much louder it turns up the volume of that inner voice. But then lecha, the second word, to yourself, means there's a self-discovery of what really, really is, makes you unique and what makes you, what your soul is thirsty for. Be, people like different flavors and your soul likes a certain flavor. And if you can add that flavor into your life more, so then it will naturally bring you into a higher place and depression is a lower place, even though you can utilize depression, but it's still a lower place spiritually. And therefore, if you can give yourself the nutrition, the spiritual nutrition, then you're naturally going to rise above the level of depression and hopefully be able to stay far away from it as possible. Uh, I think that's amazingly well said. Now, when everything came crashing down on you, you said you're really bad episode. What happened? What were the circumstances that brought you to that point? Was it purely um, chemical or was it circumstances led to that? And then how did you get through that? Well, I, I had been doing extremely well and I really enjoy teaching and I was teaching at a school in Jerusalem where I would go in there and I was just like inspiring people so much and they liked my humor. They liked the way I presented ideas. I sometimes use multimedia using my music and I was on a high where like I was enjoying what I was doing so much that I felt, you know what, maybe I don't need this medication anymore. And I went off my medication. And mm. that was probably the biggest mistake I ever made. Did because, you just cut it cold turkey or did you gradually? Yeah, I cut it cold. I didn't consult with a doctor. Got you. And what happened was then I, then that terrorist attack took place where I described before. And it, it was so horrifying to see 
And without the medication in me to stabilize me, then that's when I crashed to the lowest I've ever been. And what, what the doctors did was they saw I was in so much pain that they put, first put me on a medication just to make me sleep as much as possible because I couldn't bear it. And then gradually other medications kicked in and were able to, you know, keep me in a, in a, you know, more positive state, but it took a long time for that transition to take place where I was doing well. I was after about three or four months of being out of commission, they begged me to come back and teach. And when I taught, I felt so inspired that in a way that ended it, the most severe part of my depression because I was able to push myself into an environment where I was spiritually fulfilled and creatively fulfilled. And that helped me get out of this, like I'm going through a terrible depression to actually seeing myself being functional. So even though when somebody, somebody listening out there, if you are at a, at a very low place and suffering from a deep depression. It's important not to label yourself as being somebody who's deeply depressed and therefore can't get up and do things that are good for you. What depression does, it makes you lazy. It makes you not do the very things that you will feel better if you do get up and exercise, start with just walking, you know, for 20 minutes at a good pace. You don't have to work out and sweat. Just get up and go out, breathe air, eat properly, drink enough water during the day. All these basic things that when you're depressed, you, you tend to put aside and say, now I'm going through a depression. I'm out of commission. There's no such thing. You have to be on the job and do your job and it may be very little things that make the a big difference but the worst thing is to label yourself as being in a deep depressed place that you can't get up from you can get up from it but you can get up slowly and then a little bit more and a little bit more and eventually when you start tapping into your creative energy and start doing things that you truly love, then you'll be able to accelerate your way out and build yourself back up to be at a higher place than you were before you fell. Yeah, again, well said. And I'm with you. I come at everything from a Christian worldview. And I believe, you know, my belief system, your belief system, we both believe the Bible is the word of God, the Old Testament, and it's completely accurate without flaw. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So when you were talking about Joseph, I love the story of Joseph. It's one of the most encouraging stories because if you are struggling with depression or you've had a lot of betrayal and hardship in your life, Joseph is probably the most Christ-like figure in the Bible. And he was betrayed by his own family, left for dead, sold. As soon as things start getting better, he gets, you know, kind of forgive the term, but screwed over again. Then he's like working for Potiphar and Potiphar's wife hits on him. He says, no, I'm not going to sleep with you. I have an affair. That's your husband. I work for your husband. I respect your husband. You're a married woman. 
So then she lies about him and says he tried to sleep with her. And then he gets thrown in prison again. And then finally, like David was saying, he becomes like the second most powerful man in the nation. And Egypt at that time was the powerhouse. And he's number two. And then God used him to save his people and to restore good, forgive his brothers and move on. But I don't know what the years were, David. I don't know if you do, but I was always under the impression it was like a 30-year journey. How long was that Joseph journey? Do you know? Yeah, it was it was about a 30-year journey. I think it was 37. But the journey itself, yeah, started, you know, it's like when he was 17. Yeah. So, so when Dave and I are talking, when we talk about lows and highs and valleys and, you know, peaks, some seasons are long. And but right. God always works it out. And when we follow him, it, it does. And I can just test and Dave can attest firsthand that when we get out of bed and we force ourselves to push through it and we're finding that peace and that purpose and fulfilling what God has for us, the depression starts just melting away. I mean, is that how you right. explain it? Yeah, but I think also what what people have to do is they, uh, what I ex described before was the positive steps that you take to lift yourself above depression. You should also learn what causes you to fall. So in, in with the example with Joseph, even though that Potiphar, his wife, took his garment to use to claim that that she, that he was trying to rape her he didn't go back to get it because he knew that if he goes back to get it he's vulnerable to falling to her right and being seduced by her so he was willing to be thrown in jail rather than take the risk of falling when we i have a a, a class called spiritual self-defense which takes that principle and shows you that look and see what's made you fall into depression in the past. There's a lot of things that you do that will trigger depression. And if you learn what those things are, then you have to have the spiritual self-defense. You have to say, I recognize that as something that will, will pull me down. For example, if you're feeling depressed and you go into a big crowd of people, and people are expecting of you to perform a certain way, then you're asking for trouble. Set up yourself in, with smaller crowds of people who love you and care for you and preferably people who know what you're going through. And it alleviates the pressure of having to put a mask on and pretend that everything's okay. Other types of behavior that are below your dignity, if you do things that are below your moral dignity, wherever that may be, whatever it is, if you watch yourself do something that you don't want to be doing, then it's very easy to then label yourself. You see, I'm a low life. I did something low. And that drives the depression, the voice of depression louder and louder. And so you have to take responsibility also not only to find what makes your soul sing and 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 thrive but also to make sure that you don't grab onto things that are poisonous and cause yourself to fall into a deeper place so we've gone through the story of your life up until today and we've talked about so many 
hard, but great topics and needed topics. We started the episode where you were discussing how God loves us each and we're unique and we need to know our own special gifts and enjoy them and not try to be somebody else. Your words were much better than mine, but that's my summary at this point, right? Yeah. Is there anything, David, we missed between your birth and today before we wrap up that very important message about God's love for us? And then we transition to where you're headed next and how we can help you get there. Well, for me, I don't know how other people can translate this unless they're Jewish, but Jewish studying Jewish philosophy and biblical studies plays such a central role in my spiritual nutrition. It's not just so that I feel good. It's part of what I'm here to achieve in my life. It's it's so central to who I am is my studying of what is called Torah. Torah is the Old Testament along with the oral law, which is the Talmudic studies, which, you know, it takes, if you pay, learn one page a day, it'll take seven years to finish. And many people spend a year on a few pages. So it's very, very deep and it's connected to our souls. And so the positive, proactive religious lifestyle is a very has played a very central role in my life and so i encourage people of whatever background they're from to ask the questions and be able to incorporate their relationship with god as a central thing not just as a a nice thing once a week to do but actually develop a, a beautiful loving relationship as a parent with a child that's a very central part of my life. Nice. Now, where is David today and where are you heading? What's next for you and how can we help you get there? Right now in my life, I'm cutting back on a lot of the overactive side of what I do. I'm in some involved with some startup co companies here. I promote my books. I write music. But I just bought an apartment overlooking the ocean and in northern part of Israel on the coast where I plan to go when 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 it's ready to move into we my wife and I plan to go and spend time together overlooking the ocean. I'll probably write some music there. But we'll be together and we're going to share our time together and when we come back then we have all our grandkids and we have we have relationship with you know a lot of people that are in our life but you know that that is a big th thing for me is to get away and have time alone with my wife look at the waves feel the wind the beauty of the cliffs and the water splashing against the rocks and just make that more a part of my life. It doesn't have to be some grand destination that I'm looking for someone to help me, you know, get there. It's, it's there for me already. And it's a matter of making time 
and space within my own heart and and within my mind to, to be able to experience those types of things at this stage of my life as i i just turned 64 and the beatles told me that i'm old when they told me when they wrote the song when i'm 64 so <laughs> I, I i i just reached that age and and you know thank god i have so much to look forward to but it's a very different way of looking at the world than than when i was younger each stage of life the talmud tells us has a different type of wisdom that's connected to it when you reach 60 there's a certain type of wisdom where it's it, it you've you've learned a lot from life and can see life through the eyes of your experiences and i know that like even the success that i'm striving for financially with different inventions i have though that that's going to my kids that's not going to, to me that's to, for my kids one day to have because thank god i live a comfortable life where i don't need a job and i've made enough money from my previous inventions and investments that that you know i'm not doing it for the success of it anymore i'm doing it just to try to give to my children you know i hope by then by the time i have 120 i'll have you know my 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 mother had 22 grandkids and many great grandkids so you know there's i hope to build that and 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 be there for them be be there for my grandkids you know that's a whole world in them in itself spend spend private time with them take them out for ice cream and play with them that does not sound like that 18 year old in hollywood so a lot has changed and i just if if it could help me in any way to tune my mind into that aspect of life so by all means so what would you tell you what would your 64 year old self tell your 18 year old self I'd say to the 18 year old, slow down, make sure that when you run really fast, that you're running towards a target that you really want and take the time out to evaluate if that's what you really want. And if it's what you really want, then run as fast as you can. But if it's not what you really want, so readjust and find the target you really want and then run as fast as you can for that and later you'll slow down and you'll choose other things in life at the right times what a lot of celebrities do is they get stuck in their time of success and they don't have know how to bear living life outside of that and that's not just the you know hollywood celebrities it's any people who experience success at a young age it's very hard to step out of the realm of whatever they did that made them feel successful. But life is about moving on in each stage has precious gems to cash in on. And therefore, it's important to know what each stage of life you're trying to achieve and live that to the fullest. Beautiful. Well, David... Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about God's love for them, how they're special, 
any way, any final thoughts, well, anything you want to share? Without sounding overly promotional, I I have shared so much of the wisdom that I've learned through my books and my music. Uh, so if you go to realyouproject.com, there's links to my books. There's actually an online uh, university program that you can take of one of my courses. It's free. It's There's a link to it from the page. There's a personality test that can tell you which is your primary personality and what that entails. And especially my new book, Pictures of Your Soul, is something that will help people just the more you know about your soul, the easier it is to connect to it. Just like the more you know about other people, the more you connect to a friend, the more you communicate with them, the closer that relationship becomes. So too, the more you develop a relationship with your inner self, by knowing about what that is, like how the soul works and how a spiritual soul stays within a physical body and all these deep questions, then it's much easier to connect to that which you're familiar with. And so I highly encourage people to read that, look at the pictures and try to be uplifted through that. And, you know, my other works that are on uh, all available from that website. Absolutely. We'll put a link in the show notes to your website and to how to contact you. And is the best way to contact you through your website or is there another means yeah. you prefer? Uh, it, it's uh, David at realuproject.com, which is accessible from the website as well but david at real anyone has any questions need help to guide them in a certain direction just to share what they're going through i'm i'm here and happy and have made time in my life to to do that beautiful my friend well it's been a pleasure sharing life with you today david i really sincerely appreciate your time and again, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. I don't think we're missing anything, but this is an opportunity to share your life and story to encourage our community. Is there anything else you can think of you want to share before we close this episode? Just don't believe what you see in the news about Israel. Israel is a democracy. It's a beautiful place. It's our historical homeland for 3,000 years. And... There's, there's people from all backgrounds who utilize all the resources here and uh, people should come and see it and experience it and feel it. And every soul in the world is out, uh, ultimately connected to Jerusalem and should feel that connection. So I highly encourage people to be spiritually inspired by coming to Israel and experiencing it. I've never been there, but I want to go and I couldn't agree more. So hopefully... Great. If our listeners get out there, they can look you up and you guys can, you know, get an espresso or whatever is customary out there for your, what is, okay. if you get together, you have coffee, espresso. It's like the, the cappuccino, the cappuccino. Is, is called hafuch here, which means flipped upside down where the, the milk is more than the coffee, which is a cappuccino. So nice. Yeah. Nice. And I got a serious machine, so. <laughs> all right. All right. That sounds good. I'm, I've always been an espresso guy, but. I'm not, I'm down to try anything as long as I'm not allergic, right? So All right. Cool. cool. Well, it's been a pleasure, David. And to our okay. listeners, hopefully this episode's not only helped you, but inspired you to act on what you've heard. Like our slogan says, don't just listen to great content from David. 
but do it. Repeat it each day so you can have a great life in this world and most importantly, an attorney to come. So I'm David Pasqualone. This was our friend, David Green, and we both wish you only the best. And until the next episode, have a great day. Go love God, yourself and others, and share the word. Ciao. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life. The Remarkable People Podcast.